Welcome back to Advent Next, a place where we hold life and faith discussions with experts and PhD professors about theology, culture, and matters related to our walk of faith. Today, we have Dr. Fernando Ortiz, the director of the MDiv program at Andrews, as well as the founder of the Care for Cuba project. On this episode, we're going to talk about Cuba, a country that has been largely forgotten by the Western world. By taking a unique and creative approach to evangelism, Dr. Ortiz initiated a project that everyone said couldn't be done. 20 years later, Care for Cuba is one of the leading outreach projects to Cuba in the world. It continues to make an impact upon forgotten communities by listening to their needs and finding creative solutions to everyday problems. Oh, welcome to Advent Next. Our guest today is Dr. Fernando Ortiz from Andrews University Seminary. He is the director of the MDiv program, and he's also the founder of the Care for Cuba uh, project. Thank you for being on today. My pleasure. So I brought you here because I think what you're doing in Cuba is phenomenal work, and I would love to kind of talk more about that with you. But first, kind of introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, something maybe we don't know. Sure. Well, uh, as you said, uh, I lead the Master of Divinity program. It's a, a program where young adults need to get their training to go to the world and change the world. But so, yeah, that consumes my mind. How can I, on a daily basis, give the tools and the information necessary for these students to go on afterwards and change the world? Mm. But other than that, um, I'm a married man with uh, three three boys. Mm. That uh, That's my other part of the world yeah. that consumes my thoughts and my life. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's the extent of my... Uh, Your world. My world. (laughs) So how did you get involved with the Care for Cuba project? I mean, we've had, I mean, America especially has had such strenuous relationships with Cuba. Um, It's a country, I don't think we're still allowed to fly there. So, I mean, how how did you get involved and and how did this start for you? Alrighty, so about 20 years ago, I was... uh, studying here at Andrews and also pastor of the Bering Spring Spanish Church. And some of the folk from the church just arrived from Cuba. Mm. And I was able to to talk to them and tell me how is Cuba. And they would tell these incredible stories, mm. uh, not only of the beauty of how the Lord was working there, but how difficult life was there. And then I started to realize that the world, listen to this, Kendra, the world had literally forgotten about Cuba. Actually, there is mm. there is one author who says Cuba, the country that has been forgotten. Mm. Now, not only has been forgotten by the world, but in a way, not in a negative way, but in a true way, the Advent, our church has forgotten about Cuba. Mm. And the excuse that we have been given is, is communist, you cannot enter, you cannot bring books, you cannot go on mission trips, you cannot go, period. So for years, and I'm, I'm talking about decades, Kendra, for decades, the only thing we did was the division will send a guy or two a year wow. and say, hey, we're with you. And it's just, just and and that's nothing. Yeah, it's, it's been it's been kind of ravaged with these sanctions. They're not able to trade. Right. We, I mean, we, when we think about Cuba, we think of some of these nostalgic pictures of old cars and Correct. people who've kind of put them back together and kept them running on, you know, basically on a shoestring. And uh, you're right. Like, well, they've had such crazy economic sanctions. And for us to just send a guy every once in a while to say we're with you doesn't really give you the message that we're really with you. Exactly, nor the resources that they need. Yeah. So I said, how about if we go there? And everybody says, no, you can't. Uh, the government will not allow you. You cannot go on mission trips. You cannot go on any religious-oriented thing. You cannot preach there. You cannot. And I said, why not? Mm. 
And so we organized the first mission trip to Cuba in 1998 with the Bering Springs Spanish Church, and uh, it was it was a blessing. What were some of the challenges of starting that? I mean, I'm sure you you met a couple obstacles uh, being being able to initiate that. The first obstacle was that everybody says it cannot be done, hmm. and probably that's what gave me more impetus to do it. Hmm. You tell me it cannot be done. Um, for God, nothing is impossible. So that was the first. Even some Cubans say, oh, no. There's, and if you go, they will arrest you and so forth. So that was the first challenge. The second challenge was uh, financial because I wanted to take Anderson University students. And, of course, that would cost money, but the Lord provided. Mm. Uh, and uh, the third challenge was to know exactly what they needed. And uh, that's why I went there on a scouting trip. I always go on a scouting trip. And investigate, okay, what is it that they need? I don't know what they need. Uh, I have heard that they don't have money, that they earn only $25 a month, Mm -hmm. but exactly the core what they need. And probably later in the program, we can spell those out exactly what are the things that they need. But yeah, we started this 20 years ago, and uh, uh, it was birthed because I heard and I saw and I realized that we have abandoned Cuba. Let me tell you why I believe that we had abandoned Cuba. Number one, uh, we would only send, as I said, one or two guys a year. Uh, Number two, the resources. Oh, well, we cannot send books because they don't let us. So then we didn't try to send books. Yeah, they have a school quarterly and a book here and there, but hardly anything. Um, A book here and there. (laughs) Yes, a book here and there. Right. and then, so if, when I went to Cuba, I sensed that the people were saying, listen, we need connection with the out, outside world. Hmm. Not only with the outside world, but the church. Hmm. How can we connect? For example, okay, 20 years ago, we didn't have the internet that we have today. Of course not. But nobody thought of creating pen pals. Okay, good old pen pals yeah. with the Cuban People that have been forgotten now, right now is the 60th revolution anniversary. 60 years. Wow. This is not two or three years. A simple pen pal that, hey, you know, you're connected to Maria. Write to her. And then put a postcard, put a Bible verse, whatever. Right. Nothing. So, so we thought if we're able to start creating connections and tell them, number one, that we love them, number two, bring in resources, number three, bring in our presence mm. and try to tell them that they matter, that they're part of us. Yeah. And for them to see that connection, that will be a start. Right. And that's, that was the beginning of, of all of this. It's so interesting, too, because we don't realize, you know, how far our resources can go in other countries. You know, like a $200 a month, you know, maybe given in North America would p- pay for someone's lunch, you know, <laughs> a big lunch of a group. But that can literally it's be true. somebody's salary for the entire month. And so it, it's interesting to see kind of making sure that we keep perspective of what our privilege is and how we can help those where the resources can go a lot further, uh, get a lot more bang for a buck so to speak. Exactly. Tell me, how is it like coming back from Cuba after just being in kind of everything and now you're just kind of back to more of like a Western world? Is it weird? Uh, Yeah, it's a little bit of weird because you're there in such a high. Mm. You're there, not, not only one in, not only you're in a high, but you're in a, in a week of lots of activities you kind of disconnect, you know, you don't have your cell phone all the time, you're not receiving cell phones, all, uh, text calls, messages, text messages stuff, all the yeah. time. So you kind of disconnect, and your focus 
laser focused, focused on the mission. On the mission. Mm. So out of the blue, you come here back to the activity. It takes you a few days. Yeah. Yeah. It takes you a few. Not only you're tired because it has been a, a crazy marathon. It's a whole shift of worlds. It's a whole shift of worlds. Yeah. Shift. And then you come back here and then you go back to your normal activity. So it takes you a little bit. Actually, for some, there is what is called the post-mission trip depression disorder. For some people, really? some people become depressed because wow. they're in such a high mood. Yeah. And for some, not for me, but for some, it's a low mood. It's like, oh, I need to go back to my old life mm. for some. And yeah. that's why in order to prevent that, sometimes we have a a little bit of a space. One day before coming here, we take them to the beach mm. for them to disconnect from transition. There. transition. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So how do you approach mission when you're in Cuba? Because I think that missionaries, I mean, the term missionary is kind of a, we kind of become a bad term, you know, because it, it has the implications of that. We're coming in with this kind of superiority attitude or that we kind of know what they want and we're giving them things that they don't need. How are you approaching mission work differently where you're uh, maybe seeing what the community needs first and, and, and serving that rather than imposing upon a community what you think they need? That's a very good question because... Uh, Adventist was birthed in the States. Actually, I worked in Battle Creek, where it's uh, called the cradle of Adventism. So I know that we kind of have that sense of entitlement. We we know everything. The Adventist message was born here. And then now we go and conquer the world. Mm-hmm. And we bring, we know what they need. And we bring it. We bring the message. and we. So uh, there is a danger of us trying to impose what they need. So what we do in order to avoid that is that every year I do a scouting trip. I, I do my own investigation and I go there and I talk to conference officials, to lay people, to Bible worker and to folk in the street and see what they need. Mm. And I have and I have learned so much, so much more than I could have ever imagined by doing that. As opposed to imagine as opposed to imply well they have been cut off from the world, therefore they're dumb. Mm. They don't have enough resources, so they don't, they're not very smart, which is not true. Mm. They're extremely smart. Actually, they can teach us a thing of, or two about evangelism, mm. about personal evangelism, friendship evangelism. They can teach us a lot. Actually, they do. Yeah, in fact, there's a, there's a bunch of articles that are coming out now saying, you know, the Western world used to be the one that says we're going to evangelize, but it seems that Christianity is dying in the West and it's growing in, in the global South and that maybe the missionaries need to start coming this way to start teaching us a thing or two. <laughs> exactly, yeah. and they do. As a matter of fact, every year when we go, and I bring my students, they, in the mornings we have seminars. Mm. And the ones who teach the seminars are local pastors. Mm. And they tell us how to do evangelism, per, door-to-door, conflict resolution, uh, church growth. And some of my seminars are saying this is one of the most practical and f- greatest class I have taken ever. Because it's, it's, you know, it's so practical and, and well done. So... Um, so, yeah, so we try not to imply or guess what they need. We go there and investigate and talk to them, and they tell us. And we have come with a few uh, ideas on, on what exactly do they need. Uh, first, the first thing that they tell us they need is resources. Hmm. Um, they have been devoid by the resources. They don't have things. They don't have clothes. They don't have uh, bicycles. They don't have computers. They don't have tablets. They don't have... So we have been bringing bicycles now for the past seven years. Actually, we buy the bicycles there, we bring the money, and then we 
tell them, here it is, this resource. Bible workers, some of them visit uh, two, three, four, five persons a day because it's long distances with a bike, they can triple or quadruple the visit that they make. So think about the kingdom impact on this. Mm, Four times the visit, four times more of baptisms. Uh, It's just the ripple effect is huge. So bicycles, plus they use the bicycle to go and buy their goods or take the kids to to the school or to the church. So bicycle is way better than a car because Mm. the car there not only is expensive, hardly anybody has a car, but even if, if you give them a car, the gallon of gasoline costs $4. So there's mm. no way you can pay for that. Wow. So um, books. They don't have books, and we cannot bring books. Mm. But we bring a t- tablet with a library, if you please. With Interesting. So, so the government says you can't bring books into the country, so you guys bring tablets and have like e-books or something like that on there. Correct. So we can bring a book or two in our luggage, but if you're going to bring 50 or 60 desire of ages or something, they will confiscate him. They will not allow that. So we bring a tablet. In the tablet, you have 100 to 120 books with all of the LNG White books, the SDA Bible commentary, Bibles, sermons, you name it. Um, So they haven't had books for years. For example, Mm -hmm. one day there, I gave one lay person a book and he said, hey, this is for you. And he was he was beaming. This is for me? And I mm. said, yes, this is a book for you to add to your library. And you know what he said? What library? Mm. I don't have one. Well, nobody has a library. You know, we have the concept that in, each, in our houses we have several books, probably shelves and shelves of, of books. They just don't have that. They don't even have the shelves, mm. let alone the books. So that was, you know, with his Bible, that was probably his only book. So when you bring a tablet with a library of books, they, they, they cry. And they said, now I don't know what to do with all these books. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're going to start reading and sharing, but uh, it's a blessing. And uh, we do the same thing with the phones. We fill them up with the memory, with, with uh, uh, books and so forth, and the computers. Wow. So the first thing we, we realized is that they needed, they needed resources. The, th- the second thing that they needed was... The assurance of brotherhood and sisterhood. Mm. Oh, oh, so do I belong to the world church? We thought we were just a little island here in the Caribbean that everybody forgot about that. Mm. No, no, no. You matter. First of all, you matter to God. Yes. And second of all, you matter to us. Yeah. And we're going to prove to you because we're going to keep coming here. We're going to be bringing you resources. So you matter to us. You, you're special to us. You're not a forgotten country. Uh, the so second, how does that work? Because, I mean, do they send delegates to the GC to have votes? I mean, I, I don't imagine that that's the case. So how, how do they become represented even in, in the global church? Is that an issue still? So they are. They are. They do, they do send okay. representatives. Uh, the president of the union goes, a few folk from the union, and the president of the conference go. Gotcha. So they do go every time. Um, but that's them going... So the states or whatever the GC is, yeah. but the 30,000 Adventists, they're there yeah. in Cuba. So that doesn't represent anything for them. That's true. So, yeah. I was going to say, tell me, you, you just got back from Cuba literally like mm-hmm. a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about this trip. Like what did you, I mean, your whole thing is creative evangelism. You really want to help people think outside the box. Is how, 
as far as how to reach people, what are some of the things that you guys did during this trip? And I'm sure it'll kind of match some of the lists that you have there that really kind of touched people. And maybe it was surprising uh, that that this actually had a big impact. Absolutely. Um, we challenge before the students go, we teach them a class on evangelism and, and personal evangelism. And we challenge them to do creative evangelism here and also do creative evangelism in Cuba. And with what they came out with was amazing. Mm. Uh, for example, they did it here and they did it there. Uh, free haircuts. Uh, amazing that here they, they got a little track that they were able to, to give free haircuts here in town and people were very interested. In Cuba, it was a hit. Wow. You know, people were lining up to... And then there's something when you have a captive audience... You're cutting the hair of somebody. You can't tell them about Jesus so easily. Yeah. Um, I I have the story of one guy who was waiting in line, and one of our seminary students gave him a Steps to Christ book in Spanish, and he started reading. Okay, so he started reading, and then a few minutes after, it was his moment to for the haircut. Well, he continued reading, and after the haircut, he continued reading. Well, he read the whole book in a few hours. Mm. That's that's the level of hunger. Wow. This is a young fellow. Yeah. Hunger. So we had haircuts. We also had a photo printing. Uh, we invited the community. We went to the parks or even at church. We took portraits. Now, I don't know that all of us understand what that means. Right. We here have portraits once a year, twice a year, or whatever. They never have family portraits. Mm. You don't You don't see that there, period. So for the family co to come together or for one person to come and have a nice picture, and we gave them the print right then, it was huge. Wow. And then we were able to tell them about the Lord or the, the meetings in the evening. Mm. Uh, another one that was done last year was somebody contracted a bus for the bus to do a bus route. Mm. And the bus route in Cuba, this is something else that we will never understand. The buses are completely full all the time. Sometimes they don't even stop because they're full. So this bus, of course, it was empty at, at the beginning and it was free. Mm. So when the bus went on that specific route, somebody would come and say, you can come in. And when the person tried to give money, no, this is free. Mm. And then when they came in, they will witness and they will sing and uh, invite them to the meetings. It was it was a great event, uh, creative evangelism. Wow. Another one was glasses. We gave away free glasses, uh, reading glasses and sunglasses. I mean, how big of an impact was that? Because some people, you know, we think reading glasses, you know, big deal. But it, it was actually a really, really big deal, you know, because they didn't really have access to that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Correct. Folk there do not have glasses. Um, very... Seldom people have glasses because mm. the, the, the government do, does not have the resources to give glasses to everyone. Mm. Because whenever you do get glasses, they're, glasses, they're free. So they don't have glasses to give everybody. So um, we heard of people, I overheard one guy said whenever he got his glasses, he says, wow, now I can read my Bible. Wow. We don't understand what that is. Uh, so we were able to give more than 200 pairs of glasses. Uh, and so it was a huge impact because the community said, this church cared for us. Yeah. They're looking after our needs, and they were able to get that. 
That's amazing. Mm -hmm. What you guys are doing, it it seems like the little that you have is going so far and making such a big impact. And like you said, giving them the perception that you're not forgotten. We do care about you. You are part of a global community. I mean, what are some things that you're hoping to do as you move forward? And I know I heard some stories yesterday of like even just little little ministries like, you know, a children's ministry where they're using a puppet and and everyone just fell in love with that puppet by the end of the week, you know. So what are some things that you're seeing like, you know, there's still so much room for us to do more. What are some things that you're looking forward to being able to accomplish in the years to come? Wow. Yeah, you're totally right. There's so much room. For example, uh, there's um, 30,000 Adventists and we have been able to give only 500 bikes. But 500 is a lot. It's just that it seems little compared to 30,000 Adventists. And our our goal is to give 10,000 bicycles because out of the 30,000 members, of course, there's a lot of kids and a lot of elderly. Mm. But those in between, those $10,000 are young adults that want to change the world for Christ. Well, we want to give bicycles to them. Little by little, we may be able to bring 50, 60, or 100 every year, but... We'll get there. It makes an impact. It makes an impact. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we want to continue bringing the resources, mm. uh, the bicycles, computers, and so forth. Um, but we have another exciting project that probably you don't know about. Mm. With uh, I'm work, uh, We're working with the Center for the Youth Evangelism and the Oshkars International Campery mm. to um, bring... Uh, bring resources to an army of youth in Cuba. Mm. Who's that army of youth? There is 1,000 pathfinders and 100 clubs, pathfinder clubs in Cuba. Wow. We want to give to each pathfinder after Oshkosh. We want to collect an offering in Oshkosh for that. One of the offerings is for that. We want to give a backpack to each pathfinder in the island. Mm. And we're going to tell these kids, you are missionaries. And you can reach the kids better than anybody else. That's true. Your age. And this backpack is for you, but this is a missionary backpack. Inside the backpack, you will find a Bible, about several Bible studies, uh, a guide on how to give a Bible study and how to form a, a small group, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And also, we're going to give a tablet to each club. So it's 100 mm-hmm. tablets. And we're going to challenge these kids. We're going to say, listen, one year after Oshkosh, or during this year, we want you to befriend two kids that do not belong to the club. Kids from the street, kids from your community that are not Christian. We want them to be friends. And at least one of those, if not the two, we want them to invite them to become part of the Pathfinder Club. Mm. So we want the challenge is that at least one of those, by year 20, 2020, end of uh, 2020, yeah. will be will become part of the club. What does that mean? That they, they will be giving Bible studies to those kids? One or the two of them are going to get baptized. And the club is going to multiply in one year by double. Wow. So by the end of 2020, by God's grace, the pathfinders in Cuba will not not be 1,000, but 2,000 strong. Yeah, it's amazing because even... You know, you guys are finding such creative ways to just be a part of the community. And I think sometimes the church wants to separate people from the community to come into the church. But you guys are doing like, uh, you know, football ministries and and, and kind of just trying to be out there where the youth is um, and just kind of creating friendships and developing friendships. What do you see that the church has that their current communities are not offering them? You said there's a lot of hunger out there, uh, just spiritual hunger. What do you think... Um, what do you think they're looking for and, and, and how is the, their present uh, community not meeting those needs and how can the church really help them get what they're looking for? Ah, that's very good. Uh, and you mentioned about the soccer, so let me, let me answer the question with that. Mm. We saw that every, every afternoon 
when we went door to door and so forth, there was a group of soccer players really playing every day religiously, if you please. So some of our uh, students approached them and I said, hey, can we play with you? Oh, you guys play? Of course we play. And they played mm. and they loved it. Both our guys and their guys loved it. So our guys came up with an idea and he said, how about if we buy a few soccer balls for them? I mean, the ball that they were playing was pitiful. Mm. It looked like 30 years old, old. Uh, it, it didn't look like a soccer ball, actually, more like an old volleyball. Mm. And they bought this beautiful, crisp, shiny, colorful, new. And then I was there when the ball was given and they asked me to give a, a, a little challenge to them. And I challenge this, this is this kids from the street, you know, saying bad words and they can care less about religion. And I challenge them and I say, listen, I want you to keep playing soccer, but I want to challenge you to also play for God mm. and be an example in this community and help in this community. And, and, and I challenge them, how many of you would like to do your best for the Lord? And everybody rose their hands. Mm. So we challenged them. And uh, afterwards, we gave them the, the soccer ball, and they thought it was the greatest thing on earth. They said, we don't even want to use it because it's such a beautiful ball. We don't want to, to scratch it. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, the church in Cuba is, is looking for creative ways. And that's one of the things that they have asked us. Give us idea because... Because the only thing that we have been doing here is uh, doing evangelism the the colloquial way. Mm. You know, you bring a speaker, you you give a evangelistic crusade once a year, and that's it. Give us ideas. So yeah. we're bringing these ideas, you know, haircuts and uh, et cetera, and they have been, they want to follow up. We left the Clippers, so they said we want to take home from here. Yeah, I mean, how do you, how do we start caring about things that other people care about and being involved in their world? I think that's the spirit that you guys are embodying. What do you see as far as like the future of kind of economic growth? Uh, and maybe that's not something that you, you guys explicitly study, but, you know, as far as is the church helping to develop ways for communities to become like maybe economically sustainable or viable uh, in, in kind of economies that have been, you know, kind of destroyed in the ways that theirs has. I know that's a kind of a new it's, trend. Yeah. It's, it's a new trend, you know, in the missionary field, how do we develop local economies? Is that something that you're hoping to do in the future? And, and do you see any potential for that being able to, to work? Yeah. Unfortunately, we cannot do that in Cuba. Mm. We tried. Because okay. Care for Cuba has collected funds to be creative. And one of the ideas that Care for Cuba thought was, how about if we give, uh, allow Cubans to come up with projects? For example, sewing or selling little things here and there. And then they grow that and they return the money to this fund and then we give this fund to other people. And we consulted and they said, we can't do that. Mm. The government will absolutely not allow. So it came to a, to a stop. So unfortunately... Yeah, and you're right. I have I have uncles who have been leading ADRA in different countries, and this is huge now, yeah. helping the small enterprise and helping people get off the ground with small projects and, and grow it. But unfortunately, in, in Cuba, the, the, what we're doing is to empower the laity and empower the young people to go on and reach out for Christ. Let me give you an example. Yeah. Two years ago, uh, I told a young fellow, 16 years old, I said, have you ever given a Bible study? He said, no. He said, would you like to learn? Yes. 
And on top of learning how to give a Bible study, if I give you a bicycle, if we care for Cuba, give you a bicycle, would you go to the community and find Bible studies? And he says, absolutely, he beamed. Mm. And so we did. We came to that agreement with a number of young adults. And the next year when I came back, he brought the first fruit and he said, Pastor Ortiz, look at these guys. Mm. I've been standing with them and some of them are getting baptized. And you know what? If you would have not challenged me, we are in this culture... I needed that push. I needed that that you guys believed in me. And I needed that encouragement and that training. Now I'm winning souls for the Lord. Wow, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Like, So if somebody is hearing about this ministry today and they want to be a part of it, like, what, what should they do? How, what, what would be the next steps to being a part of the Care for Cuba project? Yeah, the first thing that we covet is your prayers. Mm-hmm. Everybody says prayer. Pray for God to give us the wisdom. Pray for God to give us the right Bible workers. Ah, pray for God to to help us with the right projects and, and uh, creative evangelism. But secondly, people can donate through our Care for Cuba website, careforcuba.org. You can go straight. This is this is an Andrews University website where you can get tax uh, receipt for that, 100% tax exempt. And uh, go there and donate. You can choose the project or you can also give to where needed most or general support. Right. And you can choose for bicycles or tablets for missionaries. By the way, I forgot to tell you that um, five years ago, three missionaries came there to where we were having the meetings and said, Pastor Ortiz, we're missionaries, uh, indigenous missionaries, that we go to the mountains of Cuba volunteers, nobody pays us a penny. Mm. But we just want to tell you that we're with you and, and we're doing this. So Anderson University Care for Cuba decided to sponsor them. Mm. And, it's, and we said, what do you need? And they said, well, they're up in the mountain. It takes us one to two days to, to reach wow. uh, walk because there's no roads or no good roads to reach to the top of the mountain. And, and there's a lot of people there that we want to reach for the Lord. What do you need? Well, we need in each one of those communities, we need a little house. Mm. How much do you need? Okay, what else do you need? We need horses uh, to get there. And we launched to this community, and the money poured in, we were able to buy. They're not very costly, the houses yeah. cost only three, four thousand dollars. Oh, wow. But uh, we have two houses there. <laughs> we have two mission, wow. missions outposts. It's amazing. That people from this community have donated. And then when we launched about the horses, it was crazy because the churches in the area, the kids, the Sava school kids, I want, to, I want to give towards a horse. And we received more money for horses than, for the than, than, <laughs> ho- than, than horses that we needed. Oh, we yeah. only needed three or four horses. And we, we had to say, this is it. We, we have no horses. Yeah. <laughs> so now these three guys, the three of us, we pay them a modest sum a month. Plus, we got their homes. Well, it's a home that doubles up as a church. Hmm. Plus the horses. And... Um, so the Lord is blessing that ministry. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So as we kind of wrap up, I want to kind of give you some of the last thoughts on, on this project. What, what are your hopes for the future for Care for Cuba? Because, I mean, it's so amazing. Like I said, a little goes a long way in, in these places. And this is a, a country that's been just economically ravaged by the sanctions. They don't have access to resources. I'm sure your, your vision for what could be done um, is greater than what you guys currently have the resources for. So what is your hopes for the future as you move forward in the, the years to come? You said it right. I mean, uh, our, our impact is little compared to the vast island. Uh, Cuba is as long as Michigan hmm. and, and it's huge. Um, 
And we cannot reach but only one community a year, and all the mission trips go to different places. Uh, by the way, we were the first group as a mission trip and as a university to go there in 1998. Before then, we had not heard of anybody going there wow. precisely because, they, oh, we cannot go. We just we can't go. Mm. And uh, since then, all other, many other mission trips have gone there. But uh, I, I have two dreams for the future. Number one, that we're able to bring enough resources, even though little, and enough inspiration for the locals to pass that torch to other locals. Mm. So not only us, for them not only to depend on us, but hopefully we will bring enough inspiration and materials and resources that the locals will then pass that on to others. And those onto, that's the only way that the only way is going to reach to the whole island. Right. If the locals can help us in disseminating uh, the resources and um, the inspiration, materials, similar and so So that's right. number one. Number two, I want, uh, Cuba has been uh, the perfect field school for Andrews. Mm. Perfect. Because they learn how to do door to door. They learn how to do evangelism. They preach. They teach. They learn. We learn from them. Yeah. So it's a give and take. So we want this to continue being a, a permanent field school for Andrews where we go and learn. We don't go there to teach, by the way. Yeah. We don't teach anyone there. We learn from them. Mm. We bring resources, yes, but in terms of how to do evangelism, how to go door to door, how to pray, how to, they, they teach us. Yeah. I have, so just a, a quick follow-up question. You know, How much is the door-to-door evangelism effective simply because the culture is a very social culture? You know, uh, North America is kind of very isolated. Don't show up to my door unless you've texted me 30 minutes before. Uh, you know, h- How much is it because, is it growing uh, and being successful because the culture is very conducive to more of a social atmosphere. Absolutely, and that's absolutely true. Yeah. You go there, everybody opens the doors in Cuba or Latin America. They invite you in. If before you know it, they're giving you a drink and stay here, please. Mm. Not here. Yeah, it's like, uh, are you going to go yet? <laughs> yes. Uh, what do you want? How can I help you? Yeah. And yet, Kendra, I have been involved with my family. We we visited. Not too long ago, a community near our church, and we went door to door. Mm. Yeah, not everybody opened the doors, but some opened their doors, and we prayed for them. And they were, at first, they were like, whatever, but afterwards, they thank us. Mm. And so, yeah, not everybody opens the doors, but some do. And another seminarian some years ago said, uh, You know what? There's a quote by Ellen G. White that says that some people would not hear about the gospel were not for somebody who went knocking on their doors. They would not hear otherwise. They don't have satellite or they don't have internet or or even if they have internet, they don't know how to to get there. But unless somebody goes and knocks on their door. So this, this student says, you know, I'm going to do that. And he went door to door. This is a seminarian mm. in Grand Rapids uh, from here. And he went to do his evangelism in, in the area of Grand Rapids. And then he went and what he would say is, I'm a student and I'm a Bible student. And I would like, I'm looking for people who would like to study the Bible with me. Mm. Lots of people say no, but a few people said yes. And he continued. He continued. At the end of many days trying, he had about 18 Bible studies. 
that really for good. here is very good. Yeah. And some of them got baptized. Wow. No, no, not all the 18 got baptized, but some of them got baptized and the others continue studying. Yeah. So, so yeah, it takes a little bit more effort. And I think that's kind of my takeaway from the Care for Cuba because even you guys getting out there was so many obstacles in your way that said no. I mean, I think the story of Care for Cuba it is persistence, um, it is patience, and, and just not giving up. If you could kind of wrap up with uh, just even the obstacles to this current trip and uh, how God kind of opened up doors so that you guys could overcome them. You know, uh, there's a story in the Bible of Caleb that Caleb wanted to conquer uh, Achanan, the big mountain. Mm-hmm. And he was in uh, of retirement age. And we asked, if I could ask uh, Caleb, Caleb, why you can retire? You're already in Canaan. Why do you want to conquer the mountain full of giants and chariots and walled walled cities. And I imagine when I gather all of the texts, him saying, oh, because I love to see God in action. Mm. I gather that. And the same thing with Care for Cuba. Why do we go to Cuba? Because we want to see God in action. Mm. Last time we had so many setbacks and so many challenges. And we said, yeah, we don't like this, but just wait until you see God in action. And he did. He showed up and he cleared all of the obstacles in, in mighty ways. Just last year, they one year before we went to the big uh, arena to to have, have the last rally. They cancel and they said you cannot go to the arena. Hmm. There's two thousand people. And where are we going to put the two thousand people? And they said, God, uh, you you're gonna you need to come up with an answer, and I know you will. So we said, can we we cannot go to the arena? This is one year ago. Mm-hmm. Can we? go outside of the arena where there's a soccer field, more where cows are. Ah, yeah, 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 you go there. So we set up chairs, and Sabbath morning, they disconnect the electricity for the, for the, for the sound system. Wow. So we were there in the scorching sun, and then they cut the, the electricity. Fortunately, some, somebody borrowed electricity from a neighbor, and we got electricity. <laughs> and we had this huge... Uh, speakers, mm. guess what? Not only the 2,000 people heard the message, mm. but there were apartments all around and people started to come out of the windows. What is this? Right. So easily another 2,000 people heard the gospel and we said, God, you had a plan. You know what you're doing. Well, you know what we're doing. <laughs> so we love seeing God in action. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing about Care for Cuba. If somebody wants to visit your website, it is... Careforcuba.org. Thank you so much, Dr. Ortiz. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so happy you joined us today, and I hope you were inspired by the stories of hope and innovation that were shared. If you want to learn more about Care for Cuba, please go to careforcuba.com. If you're watching us on YouTube, remember to subscribe and let us know what you thought about the show in the comment section below. If you're curious about some of the behind the scenes, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Advent Next. Thanks again for listening and see you again next week.